when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. What's good, Internet? It's Monday, September 7th, and you are listening to Waypoint Radio, episode 343. I'm your host, Austin Walker. Joining me today, Rob Zachney. Good morning. And Ricardo Contreras. Hi. We are we are here to celebrate Labor Day the only way we know how, with good food and good complaints <laughs> about bad bosses. <laughs> and probably bad food, also. We're here to talk about food and bosses, the only two guaranteed things in life. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, we're gonna we're gonna go deep into this this uh, podcast bucket. We're gonna go deep into the bucket and dig up all of not all of not all of. I shouldn't have said all of because I know it's not all of because I have a special label in my email now filled with food stories, food rivalry stories, and boss stories. And there are over forty five things unread in that email <laughs> label so far <laughs> that I've just dragged over there as I haven't had time. And that's on top of everything we've read before, plus this twelve page document <laughs> I sent to Rob and Cato um, that we should just dig into. I think. Does that sound does that sound fair? Are we ready to go? Hell yeah! Yeah, let's All dig right. in. Ooh. Rob, I got to tell you, a couple of these uh, are Massachusetts bound stories, so I'm very curious to see if you have insight. Alex writes in and says, I have a story for you of a long running restaurant food in the Boston area, which is a well known to many, which is well known to many locals as the Breakfast Wars. And it's been running for over a decade. Breakfast restaurants Sound Bites and Ball Square Cafe are located several doors apart in Somerville, Massachusetts. Sound Bites came first, then moved several doors down. The owners dispute whether this was by choice or by eviction. <laughs> love it. I love that there's a dispute here. <laughs> the landlord of Sound Bites. Uh, Old Space recruited the chef from Soundbites and created Ball Square Cafe, a restaurant with an identical menu. Both places were popular and had uh, each had lines each weekend, but tensions remained high until in the twenty until in twenty ten the Travel Channel heard of the rivalry and asked to feature both spots on the food on the show Food Wars. One owner declined, costing the other his desired fee uh, publicity free publicity. This escalated their feud into a fist fight in the street, Whoa. sending one of them to the hospital. Accounts of the brawl itself differ wildly between the two parties. <laughs> With the police involved, the tension seemed to settle down. But I recently learned that the, f- the feud simply wouldn't uh, simply went out of public view. The restaurants share a back alley, and one owner padlocked a gate, forcing the other owner to cart trash out through their restaurant. There were accusations of one owner making frequent calls to get the other owner's car ticketed, writing bad Yelp reviews, a political favoritism to involve the Board of Health. Uh, For all of that, I strongly prefer a third breakfast option a few doors down, Kelly's Diner, (laughs) the kind of greasy spoon diner you can describe without ever seeing it. You'll find the same weathered wait staff who were there two decades ago and seemed like veterans even back then. 
again, assuming the business survives the pandemic. If you want to know more about the Breakfast Wars, the most recent write-up I could find was by Boston, was in Boston Magazine with a few details that were new to me. There are also a handful of older articles from papers findable on Google as well, uh, and then links to this article, Breakfast Wars in Somerville in uh, Boston Magazine. Rob, do you know these so, places at all? I don't because, like, there are parts of Somerville that are hard to get to from parts of Cambridge where I lived, even though mm. the towns are next to each other. Uh-huh. And so, like, it's one of those things where I would never have made, like, this as the brunch excursion. Right. Uh, and so I miss these places. Though It sounds delicious. And it sounds like um, going to Kelly's is probably the good call because given the choice, I would – Probably not step into the middle of the war between <laughs> Iago and Shylock. Uh, that is just a being fun. Just on these don't streets. get involved. Just stay back and let it run its course. If there is a victor one day, then feel free to to go you know through the ruins and and uh, and and find out if the if the if the champion is any good. But for now, Kelly's seems like the best bet. Um, Rob, do you want to read this next one while I bite into this delicious morning breakfast sandwich that was forty five minutes late? Uh, sure. This one comes to us from TK out in Colorado. Hey, Waypoint crew. On the subject of tone-deaf corporate emails, I would love to share this series of events. I work in apartment maintenance, and during the initial outbreak of COVID-19, we suspended all non-emergency service. The residents' light bulbs burned out. That was on them. AC issues or water leaks were still being worked on by the maintenance staff, etc., About a month into the pandemic, right around when the government was starting to issue the first stimulus payment, I started hearing from friends in the industry that they were getting hazard pay. Now, I know that this isn't common, even in my own industry, but I was hopeful that the small number of management companies doing it would encourage the bigger ones with better margins to do the same. One Monday morning, everyone in the company got an email from the founder who sits on the board and whose son is the current CEO. Of course they are. Uh, It was a video message that has since been deleted from YouTube, else I would have included it. In the video, the owner paid lip service to the challenges of keeping on-site staff safe. We hadn't gotten a single box of masks or gloves from corporate yet at that point. Each property had to source their own and use the maintenance budget for it. And how it was important for us to stay open and keep serving our communities. He then went on to say how excited they were to be starting a $100 million project in Austin, Texas this fall. They would break ground in September if everything went according to plan. After this was sent out, my property manager manager sent an email up the chain saying how much we needed PPE provided by the company and how tone deaf their message was. The next day, a competitor announced that they would be giving every on-site employee a $1,000 bonus as hazard pay. In order to do this, they were canceling a new property they had planned to build in New Mexico. Wow, this is a real goofus and gallant situation (laughs) we got here. The same afternoon, corporate reached out and said they would be ordering one large cheese pizza per employee (laughs) and having it delivered to the property. The delivery was scheduled for 6 p.m. when the leasing staff would be leaving. Maintenance, on the other hand, worked earlier from 7 to 4. If we wanted the free pizza, we would have to stay after work unpaid for two hours. Short version, the company bragged about starting a $100 million million project to build a new apartment complex, while competitors canceled their new projects in order to pay their employees COVID hazard pay. Then, when that was criticized, corporate sent in cheap pizza as a make good. Both my property manager and I now work for a different company that has been much, much better about protecting their workers and paying us fairly for the risks of entering hundreds of people's homes regularly. 
Thanks for God. the bot, TK from Colorado. Jesus uh, Christ. <laughs> couple things I just find infuriating about this. Yeah. It really does highlight the degree to which no landlords, no major landlords do anything to like maintain their properties at this point. That is also just contracted out. So yes. the value add of like renting is now just completely on someone else's books. It's someone else handling the entire thing. Uh, and so all the things that make the rental arrangement work are being handled by a company that also now has no equity. Their workers certainly don't. Uh, and it just kind of rolls down. So like now the person who does your, your superintendent type job is probably getting screwed around this exact same way, uh, yeah. being stiffed the free pizza and being uh, given like no proper equipment to do the job. And I do think about like how often people I know have really good like building repair people who come through, but like that ain't the landlord. Um, that was certainly my experience. I, yep. I had a guy who would help out with a lot of stuff around our place. Great dude. I am sure also was like me just being held hostage by that co- that company. Absolutely. Maybe, you know, had a reduced rent uh, a place to stay somewhere, but but also was not being paid well for the job of making things uh, better for the people who lived there. I really I really love the detail of the maintenance staff uh, uh, needing to wait about the length of what it would take to earn the cost of a free cheese pizza to get their free cheese pizza. How long? Uh, so wait, it's going to be here when? Uh, about a, a free cheese pizza worth of money from now. Just hang out. Don't worry about it. <clears throat> Your time is invaluable, right? Uh, miserable. Um we need to do another clap because while trying to mute myself, I stopped my file and had to restart it in the middle of your story. Cool. So yep. let's just knock on a quick one. <laughs> All right. Uh, go on 40. Yep. Clap. Good. What? Thank you. All right. This one again, Rob, is a Boston one uh, or a near Boston one. It's from Mike who writes in and says, first of all, y'all need to see the inside of Matt's bar. It's not a restaurant. It's a dive bar with a small ass griddle in the corner where they serve Juicy Lucy's. When I went there the first time, I bit into my Juicy Lucy and all the cheese fell out. Also, the fries are whatever. We've gotten a lot of differing <laughs> uh, reports about the Juicy Lucy fry situation, so I don't know. Mm-hmm. Secondly, does Rob not know about roast beef sandwiches north of Boston? It's our regional specialty. Roast beef three-way, mayo, sauce, and cheese. Uh, the sauce the sauce is James River barbecue sauce. That's just like the, weir- the weirdest, tangiest, most delicious shit. Go to Angelo's and Saugus. Billy's in Wakefield, or I've heard good things about Route 110 in Ansbury, or Tessie's in, in Tooks. Is Tewksbury a real yep. place? Yes. Yeah. Shout out to North Shore Beefs on Facebook. Shout out to North Shore. Where people read out the names of obscure local towns in Massachusetts. Yeah. Listen. Shout out to. What is First of all, I have a horrible feeling I know Mike and Alex. Like What? I have that feeling that the thing that that happens around all things Boston might be happening yeah. to me, where it turns out I know the people who are writing in. I'm yeah. not sure, but I have a I have a feeling I might know who these folks are. Um, but that's two, very funny. I but I don't like the roast beef, so I don't necessarily know that. But I'm curious now. I'm open to it. My heart is open, but like I'm generally not a roast beef. I'm going to link you to the Facebook group here. Uh, that they shouted out. Mike shouted out uh, North Shore Beefs on Facebook. North Shore Beefs is a place to share pictures and opinions of our favorite North Shore delicacy. 
whether it be a super three-way or a junior plane. Feel free to share positive and negative experiences. We all want to know who's got the best beef in the game. The group can get a little rowdy at times. <laughs> we try not to censor our members. Feel free to abuse shitty posts, but don't go after people's families. No one needs to die over a sandwich argument. The mods are mostly assholes. Good luck. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Gift cards will not awesome. be solicited, expected, or accepted. Wink. Winky. <laughs> Please look at the pin post to see what's expected in a post slash review. Uh, 17,905 members. Do you see the, the group rules for the admins down below? Oh, my. Rule you number read one those? don't be a piece of shit. Don't be an asshole and use people's private pictures against them. No jokes about family or pets. Beef reviews only. This is a review only page. We do not do recommendations, we don't do memes. Oh. <laughs> This must follow the guidelines in the pinned post. It must be accompanied by a picture and a score. No ads. That's <laughs> no pretty advertising in your beef. Oh, reviews. my God. I got to tell you, this picture up top does not look appetizing to me. No. No. This is, this is my issue. Mm. Like, this is why I'm not into this shit. Mm. That, I don't feel it. You don't need. So, in Baltimore, we have pit beef. And uh-huh. that is very simple. It's just very, it's cooked perfectly beef on like a slice of bread. You don't need shit on it. This is too much. I don't think you can even taste the roast beef under all this, whatever. Like, what was it? Three yeah, different sauces? Use, <laughs> it was mayo, cheese, and uh, Jamie's River barbecue sauce. That's yeah. too much shit. The, the mayo is going to get overwhelmed by the barbecue sauce. Yeah, like, I think you just point, need the barbecue like, sauce. Yeah, I'm skeptical. Uh, like this is this is why I'm not in the recipe sandwich because like no. I think inherently it's just kind of a flawed concept. Yeah, I feel you. Um, this next one comes in uh, from Elliot. Do you want to actually do this one? Uh, yeah. Either either Rob or Kato. Either one of you. Let's oh, do Kato, Rob and then we'll go. Sure. Kato, you do this one. Hey folks, this isn't exactly a rivalry story, but thought you might enjoy it all the same. I live in South London, UK, where there is a very popular chain of fried chicken shops called Morley's. So, so well-loved is Morley's that it has spawned a number of imitators, hoping to piggyback on their popularity. Morley's logo is a white cartoony font on a red background, distinctive but easy enough to imitate. As a result, while there are 20 or so quote-unquote real Morley's in South London, there are maybe half as many quote-unquote fake Morley's. They copy the branding and give themselves a name that looks enough like Morley's at a glance to maybe trick potential customers. (laughs) For example... (laughs) Mm-hmm. Ma- Ma- Maui, Monleys, New Morleys, not sure how they got away with that one, <laughs> MMM, and Triple M. MM. Wait, trip- MMM Triple- and Triple uh- MMM? Uh-huh. <laughs> While I find it amusing, I wish these places good luck, t- to be honest. I also like that, as far as I know, the Morleys chain is not litigious enough to come after any of the fakes. Love the pod, Elliot. They, them. Thank you, Elliot. I would not... <laughs> Mm-hmm. Do you remember in Dishonored there was like Morley's Eels or something like that? <laughs> there was. Is that a reference to this place? It could oh my be. god! Ma- I like Mau Maui's. That that's that was- character from the Jungle Book, right? Uh huh. Yep, that's correct. <laughs> yep. Love to eat uh. at Mowgli's. <laughs> god. Uh, All right, awesome. I know you, you want to eat, so I'll let you read this next really short one. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, and also, this was an answer to me. Hi, Austin. This is from Ben. The Monte Cristo. Oh, so the, the subject line was like an answer to the French dip story. Remember, I don't remember this. I told that story about going to a diner, 
ordering a French dip and getting it with maple syrup. Yeah. And then I was like, what's up? And the and the waitress <laughs> looked at me like I was like my head had fallen <laughs> off, like I was in the wrong. Uh, hey, Austin, the Monte Cristo sandwich is often served with a side of maple syrup. I wonder if you're missing French dip. Aju had something to do with this. As, wi- as Wikipedia describes, the Monte Cristo is a variation on the French uh, croque monsieur. Uh, and has sometimes been called the French sandwich. And that makes me wonder if on that diner menu, they had something called like the French, French croque monsieur or the French sandwich. And I ordered a French dip <laughs> and some, lo- some, some you know, uh, wires got crossed. I guess I it's possible. I don't like the French sandwich. Like that sounds like we're talking around something. Uh, <laughs> you ordered the French sandwich. Uh, like, yes. What's, what's being delivered here? <laughs> Well, the thing too is, there's a reason why the Monte Cristo comes with 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 maple syrup. It's 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 uh, uh, French toast. It's French toast with like ham in the middle of it, right? Am I right about yeah. this? Or am I wrong about it? Okay, no, yeah, it's yeah. ham. Okay, so like, yeah, of course that comes with with maple syrup. That's allowed to come with maple syrup, right? I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> I'm just flashing back to this place that uh, did uh, it did. Monte Cristo's on really poofy uh, challah bread, Ooh. and now I'm just thinking back to it, and I'm getting nostalgic, and uh, I might be just I'm I'm gonna make some bad lunch ordering decisions when we get off. <laughs> Hell yeah, that's basically. that's what this that's what this whole episode is about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, All right, Rob, you want to take this next one? Yeah, anonymous in blue. Uh, okay, acquire the mindset of the rat is the subject line. <laughs> Um, congrats on your uh, time with the Pete Buttigieg campaign. Uh, I have worked for a major IT services provider for the last 12 years. The workforce has changed significantly in that time from one that's wholly local to one that largely lies on an offshore foreign resource pool. 95%, 5% split in favor of the latter. Uh, of course, this redistribution of colleagues didn't happen overnight. I have lived through many waves of redundancies and restructures aligning with the new reality. I recall receiving an email just as this initiative was getting off the ground several years ago now. A mid-level manager sent an email likely in response to perceived drop in office morale, imploring us to acquire the mindset of the rat to get through the change of work structures. What is a rat, you might ask? Well, a rat is a survivor, resourceful, cunning, scavenges what it can from the little morsels it comes by. The message was as clear as it was poorly received. Don't expect departmental budgets or spending to increase anytime soon. You'll have to make do with what you have and, increasingly over time, even less than that. My colleagues and I laughed and shrugged at a middle manager having the audacity to suggest his staff behave more like vermin. Keep up the good work. Anonymous in blue. I would Uh, love that. I would love to get that email and just be like, (laughs) yeah, maybe I haven't been rat-like enough in nature. I would, uh, yeah. I, I, in fact, I might just start making it weird around the office at that point, where it's like, oh, you know me, just my little rat-like ways, and so like, carry the like granola bars just entirely back to my cube. This is what you meant, right? This is it. You just meant keep this? stealing shit from the manager's office. Where it's just <laughs> yeah, like, it's look, try to survive. <laughs> yeah, look, you have staples. I don't. I don't know when they're coming by again. So. Uh, I am simply scavenging what I can from the little morsels I come by. <laughs> can you see how hungry I am? Mm. 
Um, I'm going to read this next one because I've been looking forward to reading this next one for quite some time. This one comes in from Mark in Somerville. I don't know what's happening. I don't know why we're getting like a ton of Somerville specific emails. Because was- townies live to talk about this shit. <laughs> this is what we do. It's this like, is- I'm from Boston. Let me tell you what's going on in my neighborhood. It's, I swear to God, it's, it's like the way LA people love to talk about traffic. Right. Like, we this is not food. This is, beef. this is bad boss. But I guess that's the same. That's like, it's still, I feel like that's still in towny culture. Is complained about your bad boss. All right. After hearing the call for tone deaf corporate emails, I just had to write in with my own story. It wasn't an email, but my friends and I are still bring up, still bring up the tone deafness of the situation to this day. Here is the setup. I used to work at a retail division of a company currently battling over Fortnite. If you read this after (laughs) August 20th, you can just say it's Apple. I don't know what the, I don't know what, why was it August 20th was the date that this person was allowed to say? Maybe geniuses have like a period of non-disclosure that they, they have must. to honor. They or, must. Um, right. Steve Jobs' ghost like haunts them and curses <laughs> Apple always prides itself on prestige retail, including selling the bullshit line that it was harder to get a job at their retail store than it was to get into Harvard. Part of the prestige came in the form of a credo that you had to sign off on. It was passed out on wallet-sized cards, so you could always have one on you. And it had phrases like, our most important resource, our soul, is our people. And so much about... We always give our best to enrich the lives of the customer. The place was really run like a cult. As bad as all of this is, the real story starts once the quarterly retail meetings they made every employee, uh, every employee into the store go to. Uh, these were held on Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. before the mall the store was located in was open, so they wouldn't need to sacrifice store time for their important messages. At this particular meeting, our regional manager, Joe, had just decided to grace us with his presence. After showing us an upcoming TV ad for the company, he asked the group what the ad meant to them. This is one of their sentimental ads that taunt a- Apple or that uh, taunt Apple products flaunt, bringing flaunt. That makes sense. That flaunt Apple products bringing people together like they're the cure for war. <laughs> after being unhappy with the few responses from people who raised their hands and did give answers, he decided to monologue. Now, forgive my memory, but here's essentially what he said. I was expecting more responses. I hope you aren't all a bunch of button pushers. At this point, the manager of our store egged him on to explain what a button pusher was. A button pusher is someone who just shows up and does their job. You're just here for a paycheck. I came up with the term when I was on a Royal Caribbean Caribbean cruise with my family. The first time I went up with my boys, the guy who was working the water slide was great. He made it fun, throwing up his hands and yelling every time someone was about to go down the slide. It was so fun. We wanted to go right back up to the top and do it again. The next time we went up there must have been a shift change. This guy was no longer engaging. He was basically like, next, and would push the button to let someone on the water slide. It was terrible. It ruined the entire experience for us and left a bad taste during the vacation. Don't be a button pusher. In the following silence, I looked around at the rest of the late teens, 20-somethings, and retired folks who made up the staff. And to my horror, most of them were nodding that a guy doing his job couldn't ruin, uh, could ruin a rich prick's expensive vacation. I looked over to my closest friend at the store who I knew would have my back in proclaiming the button pusher a hero. Instead, I saw my friend on his phone in the calculator app. He was doing the math to see if it would be financially possible for him to quit and still pay off his student loans. It was, and he quit shortly after the meeting ended. <laughs> Thank you all for the hours of entertainment and information. It has been incredibly helpful in these times. I wish you all well and sign off the same way the podcast does. Fuck capitalism. Go home, Mark. 
Don't be a button pusher. Don't be one of those people who just shows up and for money and does for money in exchange for currency, then in exchange for good and service goods and services. Uh uh-huh. fuck those people. Um okay, so this is it's sort of related. Um I might have told this story on the podcast before. It seems like a story that I would have told you, Austin. Yeah. Um a long time ago, like Basically, one of the places I would go and hang out, uh, a diner I'd go hang out with uh, my friends at when I was in like high school. Um, there are a few options, but like the old reliable was a place called Round the Clock, uh, which was a 24-hour diner. Uh, and so it was the place to go if you just wanted to shoot the shit until like you know three, four in the morning with your friends, yeah. and then like uh, try and fail to go to class in the morning. Um, but. It was the sort of place you'd expect. Like the food was just sort of middling. The service was real inconsistent, uh, obviously, but it was generally it was generally a fine. It was a fine place. Um, it was great for you know food you get between midnight and five a.m. But one night I'm there uh, with one of my buddies, and we get this guy as our waiter, who I swear to God. The guy must have been moonlighting or something from his job at like a Michelin restaurant or something (laughs) because he was one of those waiters. The first of all, his demeanor was just totally different. Like the guy didn't fit. It was like a my man Godfrey situation where it's like the dude was polished and professional in a way that like you do not encounter at a diner nor at most higher end restaurants like he, it was like concierge diner service. And the guy was like a wizard in that, like, you would, like, your cup never ran dry. But you also don't know how it got filled. He right. would just sort of, like, he show up that and pass through. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Where you just turn and, like, your coffee cup had been refilled or replaced with a clean one or something. It was a bizarre thing. And just the little touches of, like, uh, you know, hey, do you guys want more toast or whatever? It's like, yeah, could you get me a uh, Damn, you got, toast? Uh, wow. And he'd be That's like, next level. The dude, <laughs> toast is I, a- I shit you not. He had the he had the little um towel draped over his forearm. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> Incredible. I love and it. And would do the like very good, sir. But so he was our guy for for the entire meal. And I couldn't help but wonder like where did he come from, right? Like he had like, he just didn't fit, and I do kind of wonder what the story was. Like, a guy like that is working his shift at round the clock. Saw him once, never saw him again. He might have been between gigs, and he moved on. But it did get me thinking about how often I think a lot of people do want to do a good job. I think a lot of people, even in jobs that people think are, like, sort of, I think we treat the service jobs as disposable, but I think a lot of people find when they're good, they can be very fulfilling. Um, I am sure the dude who made people's rides fun on that Royal, Royal Caribbean uh, ride, I'm sure he did that because he enjoyed doing it. Right. You know, like right. he liked That's how he got through fun. the day, right? Yeah. But I think the nature of a lot of workplaces do two things. One, they kill initiative. So all the things <laughs> that you would do to make things a little bit better for people, you're often told, like, don't fucking do that. Yeah. Don't decide to do something because it's nice or someone will appreciate it. That didn't that wasn't cleared with the higher ups. That's not procedure. <laughs> right. And two, I, I think the other thing is because everything is made so petty, like any opportunity to build that relationship where it's like I'm here to make people's day. Like I want people to have a cool experience in my restaurant or at my store. I want people to be happy when they walk out of here. Like that enthusiasm will just wither 
in the environment that like this dude is cultivating, right? Like the dude, right. like don't be a button pusher saying shit like that is exactly how you end up with people who just like clock in clock out. I do not want to think about this place because it's so belittling. Yeah. Um, and I, I often think just how utterly like just miserable a lot of these places become because anything you want to do to make it like cool for yourself or others is like totally discouraged or um, like you're punished for it. Did we ever talk about the era of bad flyers in the building on this podcast? <laughs> it's I so think far we alluded to it. It's so far it's, back now that I think I should at I least say the safe. one. Yeah. We can solve it's a different administration advice at this point. Um, this was in the era when I was like, do I want to step back? How far do I want to step back? What do I want to do? And there were there were outreach flyers posted across the building um, that were just kind of like the the message was like how can we help you get more out of your job? But the but that wasn't when I say the message. I don't mean the words. <laughs> the the words were like, um, what are you doing with your day? <laughs> and the yeah. best one was like, why are you in this building? And I just remember going into the bathroom and seeing this in front of like pasted in front of the urinals or above the urinals and being like, man, why am I in this building? <laughs> like I could be anywhere right now, dog. Why would and why would the fact that 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 whoever was in charge of that time was like, that's a good way of sending this message feels like the biggest disconnect and the most like weirdly passive to the degree that I was like, are they trying to get people to quit to lower overhead? What's going on here? <laughs> I mean, that was during a period where they were explicitly like, we're trying to lower headcount. Yeah. And this was before uh, COVID. Uh, yeah, so pre-COVID. I, I uh -huh. never, like, I always suspected those signs were about like, hey, you seem like you're, it was like Clippy. Hey, you seem like you're having an existential crisis about your job and its value in the world. <laughs> Rob, why do you have a Clippy voice on that? I can't help that. <laughs> Clippy doesn't have a voice. You've invented this voice for Clippy. It's very Whole cloth. Good. It's a very good voice. You just had that back pocket. Oh, that's amazing. how I imagine Clippy. That's yeah. Clippy. That's, Cl Clippy. That's, that's Clippy hey, to me. That's Clippy. Would you like to write a resignation letter? Oh <laughs> uh, God, I love it. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Um, Kato, do you want to hit this, this next one from Dan? Yeah, Dan. I'm not going to read the title because well, it feels spoiler. like spoilers. <laughs> yeah, Dear Waypoint, your recent bit on local food stories as well as Bon Appetit's continuing implosion reminded me of what happened earlier this year here in Leeds with a local, local donut shop. Temple Donuts was a trendy donut shop, pop, pop, particularly popular amongst Leeds' large student population thanks to its edgy branding and vegan donuts. Early... <clears throat> 
Early this summer, they began selling a donut with an edible Black Lives Matter sticker on it. Soon after, a black employee selling a donut with an edible Black Lives... Wait, sorry. Soon after, a black employee went local viral, locally viral with her account of appalling racist abuse she received from fellow Temple Donut colleagues, who, despite her reporting him, was promoted to a management position over her. Before Temple could post a response, some digging turned up the donut shop's owner's Instagram and the Nazi iconography contained therein, <sighs> ranging from SS tattoos to novelty swastika-themed Christmas socks. The shop has since been heavily graffitied with anti-Nazi messages, then boarded up, then boards graffitied too. Google still lists it as only temporarily closed. Damn. Damn. Fucking incredible. Oh, wow. This is like a story. Oh, it has to be, right? Like, uh, I'm finding it. I'm like, oh, no, those are not good socks to wear. (laughs) (laughs) Look, there's two levels in which the the SS uh, Nazi Christmas socks are not to be worn. Uh, There's the obvious one, but then also just they're atrocious. They're they're hideous. These are bad socks. Oh, my God. Miserable. Jesus. Fuck off. It does just say Simon is a Nazi sod uh, uh, painted on this on this donut shop. Fuck off. Damn, you just yeah. hate to see a building graffitied. <laughs> that's Fuck. that's violence to me. God damn it. Want me to take this next one? <laughs> uh, please, Rob. I'm very excited for you to because you've not read these. No, I'm not. Yeah. I'm so I hope you're ready this, for uh, your best. I get, I'm going to let you know something, which is there's some bracketed language throughout this. That is me replacing identifiable terms. Um, because I don't want to get this person in trouble. This person did say, I don't give a fuck if I get in trouble. Um, but sometimes you say that. Yeah. And I don't, you know, I'll be sorry. I don't want, but I don't want to get them in trouble either. Right. That's the thing, yeah. right? No, that's, that's what I mean. Sometimes you say, two. I don't give a shit if I get yeah. in trouble. But right. in fact, it would suck if you got in trouble. So let's just, we can't. Yes. I did my best to scrub, but I, but there's a chance yeah. that something else, something pops up and I'll, apologies if it does. So, all right. All right. Hey, Waypoint, I work in forensic 3D animation and couldn't help but send over this corporate email after listening to the episode last week. The indiscriminate all caps for emphasis and the line, working remotely causes inefficiencies in the development of our exhibits, but this is a burden our clients can't afford, sent me through the roof and cemented the director of the department on my shit list. Team, we're now quoting the email, team, we're now in our fifth week working remotely. You guys have overcome the challenges better than I had ever imagined. The quality of work we are producing is outstanding. We continue to innovate and push the bar further, even in these unprecedented times. We have made strides to get our new software integrated into the pipeline. I hope to have that very soon as a game changer for us. The superior legal exhibits you created have been the momentum carrying us forward. From the smallest still graphic to the largest animations we ever did, they've all contributed to our reputation, current and future success. While others are struggling, we are taking on more work. It is extremely difficult to sell jobs right now, but clients are coming back to us with proven success. New clients are seeing our brand name, difference, and requesting our services. We are flourishing because of you and your contributions to our team. It's important we continue to excel in doing what we do. We can't become complacent with our success. Now is the time to innovate. This is an opportunity for us to distinguish ourselves and outpace our competition. They're hungrier, hungrier than they've ever been, especially now. A large talent base is under 
unemployed from competing industries and are eager to compete. New new challenges will arise. Don't regurgitate the past and just get it done. Learn <laughs> Don't from be past a mistakes and successes <laughs> to improve pusher. further. <laughs> to that end, the rats are coming for this company. Uh, to that end, I need everyone's best. From, from still to animation, think about how you could improve creating a more effective exhibit. We put a lot of love and sweat into what we've, what we've done to get here. We've built a great reputation. Every job we work on matters, no matter how small or large. What you do today will have an impact on our future success. To accomplish these ends, we need to give our complete and undivided focus to producing work of the highest caliber. We need to recognize and be sensible to the large amount of money clients are investing in us. We are fortunate to get the number of hours we get for our projects. The hours are much more cutthroat in related field number one, related field number two, related field number three, and related field number four. <laughs> our clients invest in our strategies because of our reputation and past success. As a core fundamental to our success, please be sensitive to the budget set forth and work within the constraints. Recognize challenges early to give the team time to come up with a solution. Don't get 95% through the budget and realize you're going to go over. Scope creep can happen. With proper management, change orders can be lucrative. <laughs> Time management is an essential fundamental to our success. We are ramping up and anticipating a wave of work through May. It looks promising through June. We are turning away work. It'll be important to come together as a team to deliver brand name, work, on schedule, and on budget. Working remotely causes inefficiencies in the development of our exhibits, but this is not a burden our clients can afford. On a personal level, it may require each individual to work more than 40 hours a week hmm. to account for the remote inefficiencies, required daily meetings, project goals, and timelines. To support our creative team and provide the best customer service to our clients, all of you are expected to maintain work hours between 9 a.m. and 5 p.m. Mountain Time. Exceptions if you are taking PTO or coordinated with Olivia and Tim. It's important <laughs> we stick to our fundamentals now, now and maximize the time we can collaborate. Each of you has made significant contributions over the past several weeks. Amazing work from everyone on the team. I'm excited about the new cases we are starting and the future jobs I am quoting. More good things to come. I love so much the absolute trite, just empty, this paragraph that is uh, that is just like seven sentences that don't mean anything, followed by the like, now obviously each of you is going to need to work unpaid overtime. Each of you obviously is going to need to work over 40 hours a week. Uh, but just like that. But by that, the way, don't even dream of charging for it because yeah. you go over budget, it's your ass. Unless, your ass. of course, we can screw a client on that. In which case, uh, Let us know early. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Exactly. Be very lucrative. Not for you. Uh, you don't get that. I get that actually. So uh, I have bonuses coming in on that. Uh, but no, that the the run of it's important to continue to excel what we do. We can't become complacent with our success. Now is the time to innovate. This is an opportunity for us to distinguish ourselves and outpace the competition. They're hungry, hungrier than we've ever been. It's just like. Do you remember that account that just <laughs> generated fake Pete Buttigieg statements? <laughs> that thing that like the generator of just like complete empty aphoristic nonsense. That's that whole paragraph. Don't don't regurgitate the past and just get it done. I love it. It's so fucking empty. Um, God. 
All right. Well, I'm sure the um, I'm sure they're going to do like bonkers business uh, as the first wave of cases uh, hit from the summer of unrest. Right. Oh, Where it's yeah. like, as you can see from this animation we have put together showing exactly how the building was graffitied. Oh my God. Uh, we've done this. This CG, this CG cartoon is going to demonstrate using spray pattern analysis how the. Fuck the police on the Wendy's at the corner of 77th and 2nd uh, could only have been sprayed by this young miscreant. (laughs) You can see that fuck 12 is written in his handwriting. Um, All right. This next one comes in from Eric, who has written in about Swedish pizza growth. Not in the way you might think. First (laughs) of all. concerning. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Doctor calls. Doctor shuts the door. Uh, I'm sorry to tell you, um, your son has a kind of textbook case of Swedish pizza growth. Uh, it's not life-threatening, um, but there will be some changes. I'm sorry. I'm, it's, we, I thought we caught it when it was in the Hawaiian stage, uh, but it has progressed faster than any of us thought. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're full on Supreme now. Uh-huh. <laughs> Supreme Swedish pizza growth. It's true. It's 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 rare. Uh, God, did it run in the family? Okay. Um, first of all, Swedish pizza culture is special. Chain restaurants have not been able to compete with the classic Swedish pizza places. Small independent restaurants almost always run by people of Middle Eastern heritage that serve standardized pizza with Italian names: Margarita, Vesuvio, uh, Capricciosa, etc. One of two special pizzas unique to that place uh, and the most sweet uh, is the most Swedish dish of them all, the kebab pizza. Anyway, I grew up in Anderstorp, uh, a rural Swedish town with approximately 5,000 residents. While I was around 13, two new pizza places opened up in our town, bringing the total amount of pizzerias to four. <laughs> this was not sustainable <laughs> and everyone knew it. For some reason, they all started to compete, not in price nor in quality, but in size. These pizzas got bigger and bigger, but never rose in price. One restaurant had the motto, not better, just bigger, written on the windows. I have fond memories of hauling home pizzas advertised as, quote, family sized, a full meter in diameter, a big chunk of cheese and tomato sauce, and then an inch thick layer of kebab meat, garlic sauce, and iceberg salad. People from neighboring towns made the journey just to get the opportunity to buy one of our enormous pizzas. I recently went home and went to one of the two places still open. I can report that sadly the pizzas have shrunk, but they are still just as mediocre. <laughs> Glad Incredible. to know that quality stayed flat all the way That's through. This is <laughs> <laughs> that's consistent. We saturated our markets. Uh-huh. And um look, it the pizza's not gonna get better. I'm sorry. It's not. <laughs> and it has to get smaller now though, too. <laughs> uh, I thought we could win this war. <laughs> <laughs> God, I am. It's incredible. It's a not better, just bigger. A meter, a meter, a meter, <laughs> well, a meter it's of pizza. Than my fucking desk. What the fuck? <laughs> Disillusioned chefs like getting the news that like, no, we can't drive that place out of business. We've signed a truce. And it's like, I did things because you told me we'd be making pizzas with San Marzanos <laughs> this time next year. 
Oh, it's incredible. It's so good. I can't get this sauce off my hands. <laughs> I, 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 out, out, damn sauce. Um, all right. Oh, Kato, do you want to hit there. this one from... from G- <laughs> yeah, there it is. Uh, do you want to hit this next one from Justice? Yeah. Hey, Waypoint team. After hearing your segment on local food rivalries on Monday's pod, I thought I'd let you know about Paizo. Paizo? Pa- Paseo. Seattle, Seattle's Caribbean sandwich joint, which operated out of a tiny storefront, basically a kitchen in a shack next to some picnic tables for two decades. They were mostly famous for their roast pork shoulder sandwich, mm, which that is so, so tender and juicy that by the end, the bread has pretty much dissolved. That's that good shit, yeah. And you're just shoving hunks of pork, onion, and jalapeno in your mouth with your greasy fingers. <laughs> it was also the kind of establishment that would regularly run out of bread, despite exclusively selling sandwiches, only took cash, and closed for a month every year so the owner could go on vacation. A few years ago, the owner, Lorenzo Lorenzo, declared, <laughs> mm, declared bankruptcy <laughs> and Paseo shut down abruptly. A local businessman bought the business for $91,000, but crucially, that didn't include the recipes. So he hired some former employees, reverse-engineered the sandwiches, and opened in a new storefront under the same name. Then Lorenzo's sons opened their own restaurant under the name Un Bien, using the recipes from the original Paseo. After their initial success, they even opened up a second location in the same shack the original Paseo operated out of for two decades. Both restaurants claim to be the true heirs to the original Paseo. One has the name and the employees, while the other has the recipes, family, and location. Which is better is the subject of a lot of local debate, but ultimately, they're both extremely good sandwiches and well worth trying the next time any of you are in Seattle. Fuck capitalism, justice. Uh, I would... Man, that's better than fuck capitalism, go home. Fuck yeah. capitalism, justice. justice. Is, that's heavy shit. Yeah. Um... <laughs> I want to try these sandwiches. If you click through, yeah. there's an image of these sandwiches, Ooh. and they look fucking so good, dude. Uh, oh I don't know the next time God. we're going to be there. I don't know if they'll be open when we go, but I need to eat one of these sandwiches. Oh, they just, wow. Yeah, dude. The oh, onions. Oh, yeah, the car- oh, my God. The, yeah, the caramelization yeah. on that onion is like <laughs> textbook caramelization. It's, it's perfect. Ex- that's exquisite uh, It's so good. I got to get there. All right. Uh the next one comes from Scott. Greek tragedy uh-huh. in the upper Midwest. Uh, they also start with uh, this parenthetical. I've had a Juicy Lucy at Matt's bar. No, the correct drink to get with it is a Grain Belt Premium Lager. That's every bit as good as Patrick says. So, I went to college in Northfield, Minnesota from 1997 to 2002. There was naturally Domino's in town, and on Wednesdays they had a $5 medium pepperoni pizza special, which they delivered right to your dorm room. But everyone knew the right places to get pizza, if it wasn't just late-night studying fuel, were Bills and Basils. And the right pizza to get, of course, was the square-cut, thin-crust, greasy-as-hell gyro pizza with extra tzatziki for for dipping. The story as I remember it, and I'll never try to confirm whether this is accurate because why spoil it, goes like this. Bill and Basil, pits of us, were Greek immigrant brothers who moved to Northfield and opened Basil's Pizza Palace in the 60s. Some years later, Basil had to return to Greece for a while for family reasons. I don't remember the specifics. And they agreed that Bill would run the shop. And when Basil returned, they'd go back to joint ownership. To no one's surprise, when Basil did return, 
Bill had concluded that since they never put that on paper, he was just going to keep it all to himself. <laughs> Basil then did Ooh. the only thing he reasonably could do, opened a new restaurant with an identical menu a few blocks away called Bill's Pizza Palace. I'm not sure if both are still in business these days, but I believe both brothers have passed away. I hope they I hope they I hope they made peace before. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. me too. The thing that I would have done differently here is that when uh, would kill Bill. Kill yeah, <laughs> I would simply kill Bill. No, if I was if I was Oh no, he did it. Okay, good. Yeah. I wanted to make sure I didn't mishear it. It's incredible that he came back and was like, "Oh yeah, motherfucker, I'm going to start a place named after you and <laughs> and fuck you actually yeah basil making a place called bill's pizza palace is incredible also is it basil is it basil i said basil once and people made fun of me for saying basil and not basil basil feels british to me i think basil is british okay yeah. basil acceptable elsewhere yeah i think it's like basil of baker street but like beyond that but basil. beyond yeah basil beyond that when I'm like, I want some extra basil on my pizza or whatever, I'm saying basil, right? Like, I'm not saying basil. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. I want extra basil on my pizza. And like suddenly there's a posh twit like served up on pie. Uh, apologies to the basils listening to the, the show. The basils sure who listen. If you're a basil who listens, write in. Gaming at vice.com. Would love to hear from you. Um, Brett writes in. And says, hey, Waypointers, just heard your latest Monday episode of one of the chime in with the local food rivalry. I'll be honest, this one is here for something that has nothing to do with the rivalry itself. Has to do, uh, you'll see. In hilariously overpriced Connecticut, there is a collection of cheaper burger joints in the towns of Meridian, or sorry, Meriden and Wallingford that wage a seemingly never ending PR war on who invented the steamed cheeseburger. The food item itself isn't that complicated. Steam the burgers and whatever cheese you're using. Put them on a warm bun. Top as you will. To Ted's restaurant, the, the Meriden-based and heavily boisterous creators of the item, to be so reductive is blasphemy. Over at Kay LeMay's Steamed Cheeseburgers, also in Meriden, they claim ownership of the concept as well, depending on who's slinging the steamed meat that day. Just down the road, over at American Steamed Cheeseburgers in Wallingford, they're just happy you showed up. <laughs> Uh, and that's just a few collections out of Connecticut restaurants and food carts fighting for the right to say that they thought of the concept of steam first. Honestly, whichever you pick, you're in for a new way to taste a burger. As for me, I prefer grilled over giving the meat a spa day, but I've editorialized enough for today. Take care and stay safe. Brett, I don't want to steam clams. That, I, <laughs> that's what <laughs> they are. This is where it comes from. Obviously, uh, I, I feel like steamed cheeseburgers. I'm sure I've had a steamed cheeseburger in my life. I feel like it's impossible to to Have claim you ever been I, to a White White Castle? Are those steamed burgers? Yes. I'm not. I've that's never been to a White whole, Castle. That's their whole thing, which is also no. why I was like, wait a second. They that that isn't that like a Midwest thing? Isn't that is where it? White Castle what? started? Nope. Oh, the, it's, still just, white... it's literally just White Castle, as far as I know. So this is a weird. So like, I why would you why did why Connecticut why <laughs> Connecticut yeah. Connecticut why and don't <laughs> why are you fighting over this? <laughs> All right, let me defend this though. Yeah, please. Uh, I've always felt that the steamed, the, like the White Castle burger, yeah, is actually in a lot of ways like a reinterpretation of like gyoza. It's like an Americanized gyoza huh. in some ways. This is a hell of a sell. Huh. Okay, I can see it. I'm listening. And so now in Connecticut, they simply were brave enough to ask, "What if that, but bigger? What if it were like 
Now, what if a gyoza were like empanada size, like big empanada size? Uh huh. Like calzone size. Eat it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think that's the route they've gone, and I applaud them for it. I am curious how the concept scales, because like yeah. I think part of re- the reason White Castle works is because they're tiny little bite size, like gyoza size, uh, little finger foods. I'm curious mm-hmm. about how that texture reads. So <laughs> you get a full size burger. It's steamed. Talk to me about the texture of the steamed cheeseburger. I've not I mean, had White Castle. I've never had White Castle in my whoa, life. Whoa, you haven't? Yeah. I, this is okay. no. I there's like a lot of fast food I've just never tried. I was like okay. such a picky eater as a kid in terms of like I want the thing I know mm. and I don't like going outside of that. And then like once I got to the age where like, oh yeah, I could make my own choices. I've never had White Castle. I'm okay not having White Castle still. And also I there weren't any the, like there wasn't a White Castle near my college. If there was, I'm sure I would have gotten White Castle. Rob, do you think it's fair to say that the texture of a White Castle patty is indistinguishable from the bun it's on? Yes. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> now, that sounds concerning. I agree, my friend. But Ew. but what it sets up is the textural contrast with the uh tiny diced onion uh-huh. and pickles. And so the entire thing becomes just like a little pop of umami flavor with a yes. little okay. bit of like acid tartness. Uh, this is pretty like the appeal of White Castle is described really well uh, in the burn this motherfucker down scene in Harold and Kumar go to White <laughs> Castle. Uh, so if you're like, what is like, why, why are people like ride or die for White Castle sometimes? Mm-hmm. Uh, that scene does pretty much get across like what works about it. Like hmm. it's once you've had it, you do get a taste for it. And it's like when you want that, nothing else will do. Yeah, it's like it's like how I feel about Taco Bell. I know it's not good Mexican food. It's good sure. Taco Bell. I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna crave yeah. specifically no, not, Taco yeah. Bell sometimes. Also, the crave case is genius. Like they just give you a suitcase full of meat. <laughs> yeah, and yep. they're like, enjoy this. Have fun. And you're like, I will. My friends and, and think I are about all this. drunk and high. Think about right. this. You travel with a burger in an enclosed space, and it's a regular burger. That thing's gonna get soggy in a way that you don't want. These are already steamed you're just holding them in the steam for longer it's fine (laughs) the texture doesn't change right i see what you're saying because they're not there's not the oil the oil from from being okay that's interesting well and also because there's no crisp to protect right right? like you put a burger together right the bun is gonna start yeah 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 okay i just think we should bring back the mcdlt and that would solve our (laughs) our what issue God damn it's Mc, it. It's we're not doing this. What is, no, we're not. You, you solved this on your own time, Connor. No we're way. not going down this okay. road. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, we got a couple. We got a few more. We got we got two more and then a, an outro one. So uh, let's go with Kato on this, this one from Tristan. All right. Hey, gang. I'm originally from a small West Texas town. We had two burger places that mattered when I was a teenager, Jumbo Joe's and Bill's Jumbo Burger. There's a lot of... Uh, contention around which is better mainly because if you like good food, you go to Bill's. And if you like small, soulless chain place where you can't play Galaga or buy cheap DVDs, you go to Jumbo Joe's. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, I'm biased, but the proprietor of Bill's has completely sold me on his epic saga across the greasy beef battleground that is the panhandle of Texas. He started as the cook at... my my T burger. So like mighty, but it's M I G H space T space burger, which was a beloved establishment that went bust prior to the 2008 crash. Jumbo Joe's being part of a small chain survived the burger bubble and even hired our talented cook among a few others from local restaurants that went under. 
like my sister, who was the mascot and fry cook at Catfish Cove. (laughs) Is your sister Catfish? (laughs) My sister the Catfish, who was Um, the mascot. And also fry cook. Uh, Dark, honestly. (laughs) Pretty much if you think about it. (laughs) (laughs) After a few years, quote-unquote, Bill came to a disagreement about how often the grease should be changed and took his meager savings and bought the former Mighty Burger, which had still not been touched or even had the sign taken down, and opened my favorite place ever. Lots of people disagree over whether Bill's is truly better than Joe's, but for me, it's not even close. Thanks for asking about this kind of thing. It made me really homesick in a warm, nostalgic way. Uh, Tristan, yeah. I hate my tea burger. I hate that. Yeah. The So for people listening, it's M-I-G-H space T space burger. And you can't just do that. It's not a word. You can't split up. <laughs> I, I assume Nothing. there's dashes. I'm going to look this up, actually. Are there dashes in between the but words? But it still doesn't... Like, my isn't anything. It's, it's, it's not giving me a name. It's not. <laughs> my Google, Google doesn't do anything for this. My wow. I have to... Well, if I type this in, it autocorrects to my... My, my M-Y, T-Burger. My, yeah. T-Burger... It's also nothing because T burger it doesn't mean anything. Oh well, it, when you when you click through, you see the T is actually a cross. T is actually what? A cross, like a like uh you know a Christian cross. Like a, oh, my cr- my cross burger is what you're suggesting. <laughs> Apparently, and I think it's supposed to be mighty, but their mighty, uh, logo right, yeah. is like obviously. Look, this is this is our this is who we are. This um, is who we are. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Anyway, Just, I want to, to go to the stations of the cross yeah. as I as I order my as I order my meal. Ah, uh, I contemplate the the menu in the Garden of Gethsemane. God. Oh fuck! I haven't thought about the stations of the cross in a long time. All right, Rob, do you want to take us uh, take us on a journey here with some more juicy Lucy info from Jay in Saint Paul? Hi all. One crazy thing about a Juicy Lucy is that when it arrives on the table, the server will often warn the customer to give it a minute before biting in. Otherwise, you get a face full of molten hot cheese. I've been in a few different bars across Minnesota where someone unfamiliar with it gets hot cheese sprayed across their face because they bite in too soon. It can be a dangerous burger. Also, my personal favorite Juicy Lucy is from The Nook in St. Paul. It also has a bowling alley in the basement. And the next time Patrick is in the Twin Cities, he needs to take his family to Halftime Wreck in St. Paul for the best burger in the Twin Cities. The Monday special is a build-your-own-burger with four toppings for $6, but a plain cheeseburger is the way to go. My vegetarian partner will always make an exception to eat one of these burgers. Halftime Wreck has a bocce ball court instead of a bowling alley in the basement, and it's also the bar used to film scenes for the first Grumpy Old Men movie. Special thanks to all of you for doing this podcast. It can make shitty work days go much faster. First of all, six dollars. Build yeah. your own burger. The yes. Midwest is the promised me? land. Uh-huh. We gotta go. We gotta move back. We gotta go. I'm not back. I'm not you from there. But let's go. Yeah, oh, that's right. Yeah. Let's find a small town. Honestly, I bet I bet there are places there where we could get an office and safely social distance because we'd be the only people we see all day. <laughs> I bet it's cheap. Fargo season five. Yeah, it's probably cheap. That's right. (laughs) Waypoint moves to Fargo. (laughs) Gets into some hijinks. Uh, um, All right, this is a short one, but I'm I'm kind of a short episode, but I'm kind of happy to to call it there and and continue to dip in on these. I don't know about how y'all feel. We still have 
a bunch. So, and this is like a bonus. This is a, for people who don't know, this is an American holiday and we just wanted to bank one early. So we're recording this uh, like days, like a week before uh, uh, the Labor Day. Uh, so so apologies, this is a short one, but I feel like we, we should hit it and get out. This last email comes in from Jacob who says, Hi, Waypoint. Catching up on the pod as quarantine has ironically left me with less listening time than before. Rip drives to work, I guess. Uh, you could put you put out a, a call for bad corporate emails. And while I don't have any of those specifically, I would like to present the absolute best word salad spam email that I have ever received. This email that this person got came in from someone named First Last. The subject was external. There is a plot to disrupt world coffee production. Here is the body text of this email that seems to have been automatically generated, I'm guessing. The more seriously the plot is taken, the more serious the plot becomes. We demonstrate that coffee doles the intellect specifically we demonstrate that coffee doles the intellect during an assessment of coffee-wider conclusions may be drawn regarding other drugs. Method. Children's comprehension may be checked by reading the children a story. A piece of paper is then handed out to each child containing sentences with a word missing. The children are asked to fill in the missing word with a word of their own. Here we dispense with the original story. Clearly, there may be little to distinguish between a correct and incorrect answer. For instance, the apple is blank. The coffee is Blank. Further research. Caffeine is present in chocolate, cocoa, tea, and coffee, along with other chemicals that stimulate the body C attachment. These other chemicals alter the effect of replacing the word coffee in our experimental setting for black oxidized tea. We can move the humor element towards tea by becoming surprised at a quantity of tea chocolate comes under scrutiny as something that its users believe is beyond reproach. Under its influence, the user becomes politically inept in their approach to schemes of their own making. For example, honey is an organic substance that can be composted. Chocolate is an organic substance that can be composted. In summary, coffee says bad is okay. Tea says bad can be defeated by jokes. Chocolate says bad is okay as long as it loses. <laughs> I love the these Arian Williamson, 2020. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Oh. Uh, Listen, listen, she was ahead of the curve. We got Biden out here quoting about light, light beating darkness, you know? <laughs> Marianne Christ. knew what the wave was, was on the wave. Sure, she may have also been on some other waves that were not necessarily <laughs> as good <laughs> regarding some skepticism around certain Every medical. Every single has some noise. <laughs> That's right. Marianne Williams in 2020. <laughs> God. All right. That's going to do it for us today. Thank you to everyone who sent in emails. Again, we still have like over 45 emails uh, of these various topics to go through. So we will continue to dip back in over the course of the coming whatever months. Um, we will be back later this week with another episode. Uh, I hope the Friday episode was good. We haven't recorded it yet. So this is me saying, putting that into the air. Wow. What a good episode we had on Friday's yeah, show. That was great. Good. That Rob was great. I remember. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I just meant he's not going to be on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, but I, you made it a corollary to the statement that it was a good podcast. <laughs> I didn't mean to. Wow, we're about to have some restaurant beef of our own over here. Damn, this is Fargo season six. God damn. Quick, regist registering Rob's Waypoint Radio right now. <laughs> That's funny because I'm registering Rob with two B's with Waypoint Radio right now. 
guess I'll take uh, Robert. Waypoint. Yeah, doing? you take Robert. <laughs> Doesn't really roll off the tongue. No, you should take like I do Lodge. I love how often these stories are just like there's a business, there's a patch. Yeah. Nobody has an idea for anything else that can serve that patch. It's like, no, like, oh, you're serving burgers in this town. I'm going to serve burgers, too. And it's like, damn, like, I think my suspicion is a differenti- differentiating product might be the way to go. But like right. the through line is always. Mm, I'm well, no, gonna be burg magnate of this town, <laughs> motherfucker. Well, because it's like I think part of it is the belief that you own the burger. This is my steamed burger. I do these best. Mom says so, and so at that point you're like going to insist on it and try to drop the other person is a pretender, you know. Um, anyway, that's gonna do it for us. Otherwise, we're going to continue talking about the metaphysics of, of food rivalries over here. You can find me on Twitter at Austin underscore Walker. You can find everything we do, twitter.com slash waypoint, waypointadvice.com. Kato, where can people find you? At A underscore Kato underscore appears. And Rob. At Rob Zachney. I would like to thank the, uh, the, the, my friends here, Rob and Kato, for being patient <laughs> while my own food delivery this morning was a pain in the ass. Um, <laughs> Uh, but you know, shout outs to, to the place that got me food. The food was good. It was just late. Uh, I'm not shouting them out specifically. They didn't earn that. Maybe if the food had gotten here on time, I would tell you where I get my, my delicious breakfast sandwiches in Queens, but I'm not going to do that now. That's on them. If they're listening, they can correct that next time. They <laughs> wow. probably is, it, is the place named delicious breakfast sandwiches in Queens. Per it's chance? not, it's not, it's not, it's not, uh, as always, thank you, Bowen, for listening or for letting us use the track. Miss you off the EP Pale Machine. Find out more about that at waypoint.zone slash B-O-E-N. Um, i trying to think if there's any announcements or anything that we need to make. I guess not. Just have a safe and happy Labor Day. Take Enjoy the time off if you have it. And if you don't, uh, you know, keep fucking hustling out there. It's tough, uh, as always. Uh, we'll be back Friday with more. Until then, fuck capitalism. Go home. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. All right. Uh, that was fun. That was very yeah, fun. That was great. These are just good. This is a better podcast <laughs> yeah. than the one we do. <laughs> this is just, oh. Why don't we do this all the time? <laughs> This this is the uh, this is the uh, paradigm for our future where we uh-huh. just user generate our content. That's right. And we, well, the thing is, like, listen, we're adding value. It's just you know. Yeah, we're riffing. We're riffing. Yeah.
Your Honor, I was riffing. Tell it to the judge. I swear, I was gonna say tell it to the judge. <laughs> Hello. This, uh, this, huh? Uh, it's gonna, it's gonna show, and that's just gonna be the thing it is. But we will summon it. Uh, I called, podcast. I called, and they said, oh, sorry, we got slammed. It's been real busy this morning, and it, we're waiting on the delivery boy. So, so my door is open, I will hear the buzz, presumably, and go and grab it. And not eat it, but I'll have coffee at least. Um, all right. You guys mute. I could read some letters while you while you scarf. That's the thing. That's what that's what we'll that's maybe that's the play. <laughs> we'll see. It's a food podcast after all. Yeah, I mean, uh-huh. there's nothing more uh, thematically appropriate. Well, this than is why I ordered food. A botched lunch order. Uh, right. Exactly. Well, they didn't botch it, but uh, well, we'll see. It'll. Yeah. <laughs> they said that it was done. You know, whatever. Uh, uh, they said that it was done. I was waiting for for delivery. So. That means at some point uh, it, it was done and was sitting there. So we'll see. Um, all right. There we go. No. <laughs> I just realized your door was open. Yeah. Uh-huh. My roommate came in, huh? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's like, well, it's fine. this movement, what's happening? I can't happening? believe Austin's going to be murdered on this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh <laughs> and now, now Rob and I have to find out who the killers were, <laughs> but only the, from Discord. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's the only it's the person on the camera, presumably. <laughs> they like wore a mask or something. I don't know. Well, uh, yeah, sure. They were all blown sure. out because the oh, the camera stu- right, the, right yeah. exactly. Yeah. There's my food, and there's my food. <laughs> Unbelievable. Ah, uh, beautiful timing. I hope we were all recording. Yeah, I was. <laughs> good, good, good. Uh, I'm back with food. My roommate also perfect. ordered food, which <laughs> would have been <laughs> so funny <laughs> if this had ended up being his. Anyway, uh, we're good now. Great. Let me go to time.is uh-huh. and start this backup. It already is. All right. Are we ready to clap? Yes, almost. Yeet. Yep, 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 yep. Yep, ready. All right. Three seconds. Boom. Clap. Hard clap. All right. What this document doesn't have is a date. This is Labor Day, right? This is a special. Yeah, yeah. This will be the one going up on Monday. Yeah. Uh, What what number is this, Kata? It'll be 343. Because the next one is 342. Yeah, Friday will be 342. Okay, gotcha. All right. 